Zechariah chapter 12, if you have your Bibles. Zechariah chapter 12. It's the 37th book in the Bible. It's two back from Matthew, if you know your New Testament, if you want to find it. Yesterday was unprecedented. I don't know if you are totally aware of what happened, but at 6.30 in the morning, Hamas, and to understand two of the players, I'll explain this as as simple as I can. There are two uh, terrorist organizations that want to destroy Israel. One is Hamas. They're located in the Gaza Strip. And I'm going to show a video that will help you maybe get your mind around some of this in just a moment. And the other is Hezbollah. And Hezbollah is located more in Lebanon. Uh, They actually function out of Syria. Uh, They are proxies for the Iranian government. They launched an attack. Hamas said they fired 5,000 missiles into Israel beginning at 6.30 in the morning. They also went through a number of uh, places, gates. They took over. They were able to attack. It was a very coordinated attack. The Wall Street Journal has reported that Iran and their uh, uh, helped them and gave the final approval for them. Now, Iran has a group called the Revolutionary Guard. These are specific trained fighters. They would be much like our Navy SEALs or our Green Beret. They are the elite force of Iran. They trained them. When the assault began at 7.30 in the morning, they began to come in through a number of different border gates. They had bulldozers and they began to tear open One of them targeted, and they knew a concert, a young concert full of young people were going on. They targeted, they believed that they found at least 250 bodies there. Many of them, and there were horrific videos that I saw of of, uh, captives, of them taking away especially young women, who I imagine they are going to abuse very badly. They have brought them in there for a human shield. This was coordinated by Iran, like I said, that uh, in fact the Wall Street Journal has said Iran gave the final approval on this on Monday in a meeting with Hamas in Beirut. They also, according to senior officials, met with Hezbollah. Hezbollah did not want to get involved. They are overstretched right now with their activity in Syria. And that whole revolution that's still going on there and the fact that uh, we still have uh, interest there, and so do the Russians. There are videos of when this happened, the Iranian parliament coming to the front and chanting death to Israel. The world has rallied, though, around Israel. It's kind of interesting that uh, how much the world has rallied, and, and we'll talk about that a little bit more how this means that it is definitely not the Ezekiel 38-39, but it is a prelude, a warm-up. They came in on gliders. They came in on boats. There was a naval assault, an invasion from the water, and an invasion from the air. There were drones used to attack machine gun turrets of Israeli fighters. They were well weaponized. They were well equipped to do what they did. 
and I won't go into all the details how they went how they went into certain neighborhoods house to house and took hostages but what their aim is is to destroy and uproot Israel Hamas's motto is that they want to destroy and remove the Zionist movement from the land and return it to what they say is rightfully theirs, which was the Muslims who were there before. Zechariah chapter 12 is a prophecy of the last days. It is not necessarily a specific Prophecy as far as exactly the timing of this. I'm not going to get into all of that. But it does make some very interesting statements that I want to look at and consider. Zechariah 12 verse 1. This is the message concerning the fate of Israel. Came from the Lord. This message is from the Lord who stretches out the heavens and lays the foundations of the earth and formed the human spirit. I will make Jerusalem like an intoxicating drink that makes the nearby nations stagger when they send their armies to besiege Jerusalem and Judea. On that day I will strike uh, uh, on that day I will make Jerusalem an immovable rock or as the new king James says a heavy stone. All the nations will gather against it and try to move it, but they will only hurt themselves. On that day, says the Lord, I will cause every horse to panic and every rider to lose his nerve. I will watch over the people of Judah. I will blind the horses of their enemies. All the clans of Judah will say to themselves, the people of Jerusalem have found strength in the Lord of the heaven armies, their God. And on that day I will make the clans of Judah like a flame that sets on a woodpile ablaze or like a burning torch among the sheaths of grain. They will burn up all their neighbor nations right and left while all the living people of Jerusalem remain secure. I will, the Lord will give victory to the rest of Judah first before Jerusalem so that the people of Jerusalem and the royal line of David will not have great honor among the rest of Judah. And on that day, the Lord will defend the people of Jerusalem. The weakest among them will be as mighty as King David. And the royal descendants will be like God, and all like the angels of the Lord who go before them. And on that day, I will begin to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. And what I want to do right now is this video, it's the best I could find. I really did want to find a good one. It does tell the story of Israel and the history and put some of this in proper geographical perspective and historical perspective so that you can understand at least some of what, as I begin to talk about territories and some history and some people, that you'll understand this because it is important to understand what Israel is facing and how they got there. Now again, this is made by a secular group, so it's not biblical and all of that. But we're going to show that video right now. Israel, the world's only Jewish state, located east of the Mediterranean Sea, and Palestine, the territory of the Arab population that hails from the Israel-controlled land, have long been known for their enduring conflict with the Israeli occupation of the West Bank and the Gaza Strip. The tension between Israel and Palestine has been deteriorating in years, climaxing with many violent clashes between the two sides. To understand the root of the Israel-Palestine conflict, we have to look back a few thousand years ago. Early History of Israeli-Palestinian Conflict 
In the 17th centuries BC, following the call of God, three patriarchs of the Jewish people, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, settled in Canaan, a region approximating present-day Israel, the West Bank, and the Gaza Strip, parts of Lebanon, Syria, and Jordan. The region later had the name the Land of Israel, the Promised Land, the Palestine region, or the Holy Land. In 1000 BC, King Saul established the Israelite monarchy, which then was ruled by King David, who made Jerusalem the capital of his kingdom, and his son, King Solomon, who built the first temple in Jerusalem. After the death of King Solomon, the united monarchy was split into the kingdom of Israel in the north, with Samaria as the capital, and the kingdom of Judah in the south, with Jerusalem as the capital. The land became home to a majority of Jews, but then it was subject to numerous conquests of various groups, leading to the significant decrease of the Jewish population on the land. One of these conquests was conducted by the Roman Empire, who gave the name Palestine to Judah, intending to break the Jewish connection with the land of Israel. During this time, Christianity, which started as a Jewish sect, ultimately became a dominant religion toward the end of the Roman Empire. In the 7th century came an Arab conquest, beginning the spread of Islam. The Dome of the Rock was built on the ruin of the Second Temple, making Jerusalem the holy city to three monotheistic religions, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. After Christians in Jerusalem were intensely persecuted by the Seljuk Turks, a Central Asian empire with ambition to expand its territory, Christians in Europe launched several crusades to bring the holy city back to the hand of the Christians. During this time, many Jews were killed. Others were making pilgrimages everywhere, mostly in Western Europe. From the 16th century to World War I, the Holy Land, along with much of the Middle East, was ruled by the Ottoman Empire, an Islamic superpower. The land was unofficially called Palestine. At the same time in Europe, more and more Jews were joining a movement called Zionism, aiming to create a Jewish national state in its ancient homeland. Hence, in the first decade of the 20th century, tens of thousands of Jews moved from Europe back to the region. Israel and Palestine under the British rule World War I exploded and ended with the collapse of the Ottoman Empire. Its land in the Middle East was carved by the British and French empires. The British then gave more independence for Iraq and Jordan, and the region remaining under the control of Britain was what it called the British Mandate for Palestine, where Britain promised to establish a Jewish national homeland under its Balfour Declaration, which went into effect in 1923. Tensions between the Jews and the Arabs who both claimed the land grew, which even led to acts of violence. By the 1930s, following the increasing Jewish population in Palestine due to the fear of persecution during the Nazi reign in Germany, the British limited Jewish immigration. In response, the Jewish militias formed to both fight the Arabs and resist the British rule. Then came the Holocaust throughout Nazi Germany, which claimed almost 6 million Jewish lives. After the war, more and more Jews then fled from Europe to Palestine to seek a homeland, escalating the tension with the Arabs. Overwhelmed by the situation, Britain began to withdraw from the region. The Birth of the Israel State After World War II, the UN proposed a plan to partition Palestine into two independent states, a Jewish state and an Arab state, with the city of Jerusalem becoming an international zone with a special status. However, the plan according to which the Jewish, accounting for only one-third of the population, was granted more territory, 56.5% of the land, was rejected by the Arabs. They began to form volunteer armies throughout Palestine. Less than one year after that, as Britain completed its withdrawal from Palestine, Israel declared itself an independent state, marking a new bloodier chapter in the struggle between the Jews and the Palestinian Arabs. The 1948 Arab-Israeli War Right after the announcement of an independent Israel, a war between the Arabs and the Jews broke out, which was known as the 1948 Arab-Israeli War. The war involved five recently independent Arab nations, Egypt, Jordan, Iraq, Syria, and Lebanon, the Arab League, who invaded the region in an attempt to establish a unified Arab Palestine. 
However, a ceasefire agreement was reached a year later, in which more than two-thirds of historic Palestine, including the West Jerusalem, belonged to Israel, while Jordan occupied East Jerusalem and the area known as the West Bank, and Egypt occupied the Gaza Strip. As a result, more than 750,000 Palestinians were expelled from the land where they lived for centuries on the day that they call Al-Nakba, or the Catastrophe. With the deteriorated dispute between the Jews and the Arabs, there came more wars and fighting in the following decades. The Sixty-Day War it was in 1967 when the Sixty-Day War broke out after a volatile period of diplomatic friction and skirmishes between Israel and its neighboring Arab states, Jordan, Syria, and Egypt. This brief war ended with the victory of Israel, giving Israel control over the Golan Heights from Syria, the West Bank and East Jerusalem from Jordan, and Gaza and the Sinai Peninsula from Egypt. Sinai was later returned to Egypt under the Egypt-Israel Peace Treaty. After the war, most Palestinian refugees and their descendants were not allowed to return to their homes, but had to live in Gaza, the West Bank, and neighboring Jordan, Syria, and Lebanon. The First Intifada and the Oslo Accords The rising number of Israelis settling in the Palestinian territories in the West Bank and Gaza gave rise to the PLO, the Palestinian Liberation Organization, first founded in Cairo, Egypt in 1964 to create a liberated Palestine in Israel. The PLO launched attacks on Israel from its base in Jordan. It was then forced to move from Jordan to Lebanon, starting to carry out acts of terrorism against Israel. Fighting went on for years, including the Israeli invasion of Lebanon to kick the PLO out of Beirut. The PLO eventually agreed to divide the land between Palestine and Israel, but there were still more and more Jewish settlers moved into the Israel-occupied Palestinian territories. In 1987, a violent Palestinian uprising was ignited, starting from the Jabalaya refugee camp after an Israeli Defense Forces truck collided with two Palestinian civilian vans, killing four of them. This was known as the First Intifada. This bloody conflict resulting in hundreds of deaths triggered a peace process with the signing of the Oslo Accords by Israel and the PLO. The Oslo I Accord signed in Washington, D.C., and the Oslo II Accord in Taba, Egypt. According to the Oslo Accords, the West Bank was divided into three areas. Area A was exclusively controlled by the Palestinians. Area B was controlled by both the Palestinians and Israel. Area C was fully controlled by Israel. The Second Intifada Though further peace talks continued in 2000, the Israelis and Palestinians could not reach agreements on issues like the status of Jerusalem, rights of refugees, and the increased Jewish settlement in Palestinian lands. Ariel Sharon, a Jewish Israeli who would later become Israel's Prime Minister, visited the Temple Mount, home to the Al-Aqsa Mosque in Jerusalem. The action was deemed offensive by many Palestinians, and the Second Intifada broke out. The violence ended with Israel's withdrawal from Gaza, but continued to settle in the West Bank. Israel Conflict with Hamas Hamas is a Sunni Islamist militant group aiming to destroy the state of Israel and create an Islamic state. After the armed conflict between Hamas and Fatah, who managed the PLO, Hamas split from the Palestinian Authority and gained power in the Gaza. Israel put Gaza under a suffocating blockade, leading to several bloody wars between the two groups in the Gaza Strip, including Operation Cast Lead, Operation Pillar of Defense, and Operation Protective Edge. In 2014, Hamas and Fatah reached agreement to form a national unity government. In 2018, the U.S. Embassy was relocated from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, which was deemed by the Palestinians as a signal of American support for Jerusalem as Israel's capital. 2021, the conflict between Israel and Palestine was reassumed by a series of hostile events in East Jerusalem, leading to several acts of violence until a ceasefire deal brokered by Egypt, Qatar, and the United Nations came into effect on May 21st. Peaceful though it may seem now, the complex and long-lasting territorial dispute between two states is a ticking time bomb that can explode any time.
Thanks for watching. If you find this information useful, please give us a thumbs up and share it with your friends. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel for more videos of history. States is a ticking time bomb that can explode any time. And he didn't even know what he was saying. So that gives you a little bit of a history and maybe helps your mind as far as where Gaza is and, and different things that are going on. The issue in our text tells us that Jerusalem is the key. Jerusalem, you saw, was the only city ever proposed by the United Nations to be an international city, to be a city without a nation. The only way you can grasp a hold of that a little bit is that that's what the United States tried when they moved the capital from New York to Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C. is not in a state. I don't know if you know that, but it's not in Virginia. It's not in Maryland. It borders them both. It was to appease the South. And so that's the only way I can describe what they wanted to do with Jerusalem, that you could maybe get your mind around this. And our text tells us that Jerusalem is going to be the hot spot. And that that is the issue. Ariel Sharon, the six-day war, it's the six-day war, and things like that. In fact, I don't know, uh, it, it, this is actually the 50th anniversary today of the Yom Kippur War. That when a number of nations invaded that he didn't even touch on. The area that Israel occupies is not a very flattering area. It's mostly desert. In fact, Jerusalem's not a very uh, accessible city. It's not one of your major metropolitan cities like Rome or New York or Paris or London or someplace like that. But yet it has always been under controversy. Because it's God's city. I want you to realize that this is God's city. Luke 21.20 And when you see Jerusalem surrounded by the armies, you will know that the time of destruction has arrived. This is Jesus talking about the last days. Jerusalem is the city to watch. You want to know what's going to happen? It's going to be there. This is the city that it goes from Genesis 14, that when Abraham defeated Sodom and Gomorrah, and that war, and they were bringing back uh, the spoil, or not defeated them, but rescued them actually, bringing back the spoils that he tied to Melchizedek, uh, the prince or the king of Jerusalem, the priest of the Most High God. It's mentioned in Genesis 14. David conquers the city. He makes it his capital. This was mentioned in the video. And it is the place where three mono, monolistic, and what that means is one God religions, unlike Hinduism, which has three million. Uh, Christianity has one God. So, does, so do the Jews. Actually, so do Muslims. And they all claim and have links to the city of Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the city that Jesus wept over. He didn't weep over many others. Second Kings twenty one seven. It tells us that the Lord had told David and his son Solomon, My name will be honored forever in this temple in Jerusalem, the city I have chosen. For among the tribes of Israel. It is a very unlikely city, but this is not just a physical or a territorial conflict. This is a spiritual one. This is spiritual when you're talking about Jerusalem. It's not just any city. It is God's city. Psalms 48 Eight and nine, we heard of the city's glory, but now we have seen it for ourselves. The city of the Lord of heaven's armies. 
The city is our God's. He will make it safe forever. We will meditate on His unfailing love as we worship in your temple. Zechariah chapter 1 verse 14, And the angel said to me, Shout this message for all to hear. This is what the Lord of heaven's army says. My love for Jerusalem and Mount Zion is a passionate and strong God has purposed Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the center. and You can watch it for prophecy. It was uh, one of the uh, prophetic writers who mentioned that Israel is the, uh, is the watch place for prophecy where God said, I will gather back my people. This comes out of Isaiah, 50, uh, Isaiah 43, 5 and 6, for I am with you. I will bring back my descendants from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up. And to the south, do not keep them. Bring them back. My sons from afar, my daughters from the ends of the earth. No nation has ever ceased to be, totally ceased to be, and recovered its language, its land, and its culture. Part of this is because the Jews kept their history alive, that no matter where they went, they were a distinct people and they kept that history alive. And we know it through the Bible and through different other things. But as they kept it, it also God kept them and He planned on bringing them back to this land. God's purpose was to bring them back. It was 70 A.D., that Titus, the Roman general, conquered and destroyed Jerusalem. And by 136 A.D., there were no Jews left in Jerusalem. They had all been taken away and removed. And then they returned eventually after the Holocaust to their own land. So God has a purpose And what we're seeing is the beginning of God's purpose in prophecy. He says in our text, I will make Jerusalem a heavy burden for all nations. The nation of Israel is the size of New Jersey. Put it in perspective, it's the size of the state of New Jersey. Few million people live there, and yet it's in the news constantly. You know, think about other small nations that we don't hear about. You know, when's the last time you read in the in the news anything about Latvia or or Liechtenstein or Luxembourg or uh, you know Papua New uh, or, uh, or Guiana or French Guiana? When's the last time you read anything about uh, one of these nations? But you read constantly about Israel. This has captured the world. Like I mentioned in the offering, there are other wars and things going on. Abhavijan? Some of you went, where is it? It's part of the former Soviet Union. It's just north of Iraq and Turkey. Just so you know. But it's like, where? Who? Have you ever met an Abhavajani? Yeah? Cool. I haven't. But God has purposed this, and this city is in the world's view. Now, what happened yesterday? This is kind of the thing. How did such a scale that now the death toll is reached over or getting close to a thousand Israelis dead, and they still don't know. They still haven't gotten all of the how this worked. This is unprecedented. Two things failed, which were very interesting. One is that the Gaza Strip is full of cameras. I mean, cameras everywhere. You, if you've ever driven over just the Canadian border. Just take a look at how many cameras are around there. Just going over the Rainbow Bridge or 
uh, the Peace Bridge or whatever. Just look at how many kids. And these are friendly nations. Like, nobody's really worried about, you know, Canadians invading us. We're not really worried about that. I mean, we've invaded them. If you go up there, it's Home Depot. It's, you know, the only thing they've really tried to invade us with is Tim Hortons. That's really about it, right? And hockey, which I'm actually glad about. But anyway, right? Cameras are everywhere. Why did they fail? Israel has what they call the Iron Dome. The Iron Dome is a radar system that was developed partly with the United States that has to deal with the ability to take the rockets down before they actually get to populated areas. And that they usually are very effective. Now, in the short, close cities to Gaza, obviously, it's up and down, it's pretty quick. But when they're aiming and getting rockets as far as Tel Aviv, which would be a 20, would be 15 to 20 minutes, something was going on. It is coming out reports right now that there had to be a nation state a nation that gave them the technology. It is doubtful that Iran has that kind of technology. Iran is pretty backwards. They're still not there. They're trying to develop. Many believe they already have developed nuclear weapons. But the reality is they're still very primitive. The only reason they're getting away with it is because Russia is backing them. But they don't have that kind of technology. There's probably only five or six nations that would have that kind of technology. Britain, the United States, Russia, China, possibly India, possibly Israel itself. But somehow, those systems were shut down. The IDF, the Israeli Defense Force, responds very quickly. They do not mess around. If there is a whiff of terrorism, they'll move quickly. It took them 12 hours to respond to this. The timing of this was done well as far as the strategy of it on the Palestinian side. The Israeli government had just fallen apart. Now, it is hard for an American to understand this. We had something close in the sense that Kevin McCarthy was voted out as Speaker of the House. But our government didn't collapse. We're not going to have special elections. This is something that the House of Representatives has to work out, not necessarily affects our daily lives. But in a parliamentary system of government, there's usually more than two parties. Some of them, like England, they have three major parties. And so uh, there's, there's really two major parties and kind of a minor party. But when I lived in Lithuania, there were, uh, there were 11 major parties. Ireland had probably seven major parties. And so very, very rarely in these kinds of governments, does a single party get a majority vote that they'll have what they call in Israel the Knesset, more than 50%. Now, in, in America, it's very simple. We have two parties. We don't have a parliamentary system. We have a president. We have a house. We have a senate. All of them are elected very differently. Uh, and so... Uh, in that, we just we know how this system works. But in a parliamentary system, if my if if let's just pick some people in here. If Randy's party gets twenty two percent of the vote, and Steve's party gets seventeen percent of the vote, and Aiden's party gets fifteen percent of the vote, and Garrett's party gets twenty six percent of the vote but he's totally opposite of Randy's party. They will begin to court Aiden and Steve and try to get more than 50% by making certain deals with them on their big issues. 
But eventually what happens is that they're conflicting because, you know, one wants to do one thing, one wants to do the other. And eventually they say, you know what, we're pulling out of this. We give a no confidence vote to the party and then it collapses and they have to have a snap election. This had just happened in Israel. Benjamin Netanyahu was actually about to have to deal with running again in an election and the government had just fallen apart and they moved at that moment. Also on the 50th anniversary of the Yom Kippur War, this was strategic. Benjamin Netanyahu was instantly, uh, the coalition came back together because they said, you know what, paving potholes and agendas in school can all wait. We have a national crisis. And we've seen that in America. I'll ask you a $50 question here, because this is more teaching than preaching. Do you know why President Trump was impeached? Does anyone in here know why he was impeached? The answer is not that hard. And believe it or not, it's the Republicans' fault. Now I know I'm touching some holy ground here for some people. Because they impeached Clinton. That's why Trump was impeached. And they would have done Bush. Because they were just waiting for the next Republican president. But then 9-11 happened. And they went, we got to back off on this. And they just waited. You can do a YouTube search. Just search people what they were saying about impeachment. And how the Democrats were all opposed to it when Clinton was being impeached. And all for it, literally. Speaking out of both sides of the mouth, but so were the Republicans. They were all for Clinton being impeached and they were all against the process when Trump was being impeached. And the sad thing is it's still some of the, it's mostly the same people. Even though it's 20 years later. Or 15 years later. They strategically knew that was happening. Israel was focused on other areas. It was a complete failure on the Mossad is one of the best, if not the best, spy organizations in the world. They will definitely trump the CIA. They will definitely trump MI6. The KGB, whoever you want to, they are, because their whole nation's survival is on this. And so they are fantastic, and there's a total breakdown that they had no idea this was going to happen. Because there were big, bigger players than just Hamas involved in this. Russia's fingerprints are all over it. Iran's fingerprints are all over this. Back in June of this year, Turkey, Iran, and Russia's presidents all met. In fact, the Ayatollah, uh, Iran's religious leader, who has been very sick, took time out of his schedule to meet with Vladimir Putin. He doesn't really meet with anybody. He doesn't really make any public. He met with Putin. We are on the precipice, the prelude, the beginning of seeing the Ezekiel 38-39 war about to happen. This is not it. Just so you know, it is not it. There's too many things that are going on. One is that no one will stand with Israel during that time. We're sending the Gerald Ford fleet. Azerbaijan, a Muslim nation, lit up their main buildings with the Israeli flag. France lit up the Eiffel Tower with the Star of David. Other nations of the world are supporting Israel in this. Unprecedented. The British Parliament actually 
passed a resolution condemning Hamas. That doesn't happen. That's not part of the prophecy. They're actually going to condemn Israel. But we're beginning to see the, 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 the path to this. Russia and Israel had a good relationship up until just a few years ago. But as I, as Russia began to get more friendly with Iran, more friendly with Turkey, who is a NATO nation, and we're going to talk about them in just a minute, and more friendly with Syria, their friendship towards Israel has waned. Plus, with the Leviathan gas field that was found in the Mediterranean, and now Israel becoming an exporter of gas to Europe, it's beginning to affect Mr. Putin's pocketbook. And so now his relationship with Israel is beginning to sour. Jerusalem will be a heavy stone upon its nations. Ezekiel 38, 3 through 6. This is the New King James. And thus says the Lord, Behold, I'm against you, Gog. Gog is going to be a leader, a person. Some believe it could be Mr. Putin. I don't know. Mr. Medyev, Dmitry Medyev, was the president between Putin's... Putin had served his two terms, couldn't be president anymore. Dmitry became president, very good friends with Putin, and served one term, then Putin became president, and then declared himself president for life. Mr. Medyev takes to telegram all the time. And he called the United States. He said, they're the fault. They're the, they're the ones to blame for this because of their support moving their embassy to Jerusalem and all of this kind of thing, we're idiots. That's what he called us on Telegram. America is an idiot. Gog is a leader. He's the prince of Rosh. Russia. Melshek and Tubal are with them. I will put a hook into your jaw and lead your armies out with all the splendor clothed and great company of buckles and shields handling swords. Persia, Iran, Ethiopia, Libya are with them with all the shields and the helmets. Gomar and all its troops, the house of Tamogar from the, and the far north and all its troops and many people are with you. Without getting into all of this, I preached a sermon on it. I showed you all the maps. This is basically the Islamic nations. Involved in that is the nation of Turkey. Turkey is Gomar. What's very interesting about Turkey is right now they are a NATO ally. But they have begun to chide NATO. They have begun to cause problems. When Russia invaded Ukraine... Two neutral nations that have been kind of pro-NATO but not in NATO, Finland and Sweden, decided they wanted to join NATO because they both have some borders and close to Russia. It was Turkey that opposed their membership. Everyone else was for it. Now, the dirty little secret is they're part of the European Union. And being part of the European Union, they have an alliance of military which lines up. There are a number of nations that are not in NATO that are in the European Union, including Portugal, Ireland, and Austria. But, as I spoke with a man in Ireland when I was in Ireland, he said, whatever NATO does... They'll do. The only reason why the Irish won't join NATO is because the British are in NATO and they don't want to be in the same military, and I'm not making that up, same military alliances. Britain. Turkey has to pull from NATO. Watch that. Watch that happen soon. 
they, like I said, they had a meeting just recently. I had pictures, but I didn't want to just overwhelm you. We showed the video, that's enough, of the three leaders. You could Google it yourself. Russia, Iran, and Turkey holding hands. Locked in solidarity. The war in Syria, the Kurdish problem that the Turks are going to face, they are going to be and lead Turkey away from NATO and into the welcoming arms of Russia. Center of all of this controversy is Jerusalem. Zechariah 12.2 Behold, I will make Jerusalem the drunken uh, a cup of drunkenness to all the surrounding people an intoxicating drink when they try to lay siege to it. This war is warming up right now. This was part of a dress rehearsal. Could Russia cyber attack Israel and get away with it. And that's what they did. If you don't think they did that before they invaded Georgia, that's exactly what they did. There were five days of cyber attacks, but the world wasn't paying attention because the Beijing Olympics were beginning. They're masters at watching when the world is not. Just mark that down. Right now, it's only the United States that fully supports Israel. We're the only nation left that fully supports. European Union does not fully support Israel. They are behind them on this, but they're not going to support them. China, of course, doesn't. India doesn't. Hamas is dedicated to the full destruction of Israel. Our text says, and in that day I will make the governor of Israel like a frying pan, like a spark, like a torch in a field. Benjamin Netanyahu is definitely the one who can do that. He's not liked by a lot of people, but he has been the security of Israel for a long time. Ariel Sharon, who you mentioned, it was mentioned in the video, was assassinated. And that's when Benjamin Netanyahu took power. He was shot by actually a extremist Israeli. It wasn't a tie. It wasn't a, uh, it wasn't a Muslim at all. It was actually an extremist Jew who didn't like some of his policies and shot him. We are the only ones at this point who have moved their embassy, although a number of other nations, smaller nations, such as the Czech Republic, Honduras, Paraguay, and Romania, have all considered moving their embassies to Jerusalem, but none of them have. The EU and its member states has issued that it will refrain from moving its embassies to Jerusalem. Things are happening. This was a wake-up call, what we saw yesterday. Prophecy is about to happen. Prophecy like, I I told my wife when this happened, there have been other issues with Gaza throughout the years. There's been an invasion. They spent 20, 18 years in in Lebanon, southern Lebanon, a a 20-mile buffer that they made to keep the Palestinian Liberation Organization out. There was the 73 Yom Kippur War and other wars. The 56 Sinai Canal War. There have been other wars. This one was different because Russia's fingerprints are on this. Russia's fingerprints are on this. So what does that mean to you and I? Look up. That's what it means. Look up. Luke 22, I'm sorry, Luke 21, 24. 
And they shall fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captivity in all nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Jerusalem has been conquered and destroyed and reconquered and destroyed and rebuilt and all of that. 17 times it's changed hands. But it is now in the hands mostly of the Jews. But not totally. The Dome of the Rock is still there. This mosque that they built that apparently God translated Muhammad to be there because he never was actually in Jerusalem. They actually believe the Dome of the Rock is where Abraham offered up Ishmael, not Isaac. See, we're now looking at limited time. That's what we're looking at. Jesus is coming very soon. There are five authors in the New Testament that use the term, the time is at hand. James, Paul, Peter, Luke. There's one more. Oh, and Jesus actually used it. That we can rest assured that the time is coming. If this was anything, it's a wake-up call. It's time to take the things of God very seriously. Time to move and see what God will do. It's time to pray like never before for unsaved loved ones. It's time to pray that God uses this kind of thing to wake up the backslider. It's time to witness to people because time is running out. The clock is ticking. How quickly we were not imagining that anything like this could happen. It's time to take the will of God seriously. Obey what the Holy Spirit is telling you to do. Because we're seeing Jerusalem right now as the heavy stone. It has the world's attention. And this isn't going to change. This is exactly where we're headed. Pay attention to the news. You're going to see that. You're going to see it more and more. You're going to see things go from Israel. You know, Jesus was, uh, you know, uh, they were riding him in on a donkey, shouting his praises one week. He's shouting crucify him the next. Things can change just like that. Political, especially in geopolitical realms, that can really change. And so as we're seeing this happen, this could be the very hook that God, that God is going to use to draw Russia to be indignant. Putin, the righteous, is going to try to come down and liberate. Plus, he's going to be very jealous when the Leviathan pipeline which is supposed to go into effect next year, cuts into his pocketbook. He could be moving, and part of what it tells us he's coming for is the spoils. And so I've given you a ton of information, I'm sure. Most of you have probably glazed over by this point, but I love talking about it. But to understand this, what we saw yesterday puts us that much closer It's a change. It's a page changer. It's a mark that you and I should take and say, Jesus is coming very, very soon. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. I apologize. I've gone a little longer than I normally like to go, but I, I wanted to get information out like this. And this has been more of a teaching than a preaching kind of sermon. Because of the events of yesterday, I actually, you know, this is the kind, I really love this stuff. I could go on about all sorts of details. Because it lines up with the Bible, the Word of God. And that's what's critical. The question isn't, is the Bible real? The question is, 
are you living according to the Bible? Because all of this was prophesied as we're getting close to these times. And I'm telling you that these are the events that have to happen. One event is coming is Jesus' return. That doesn't necessarily have to be before. Uh, doesn't, not necessarily after the Ezekiel War. Doesn't have to be after it. Could be before it. Jesus could come at any moment. We have actually just entered into a time where I believe God's shaking the earth and earthquakes are happening and all sorts of things. Jesus told us these things were going to happen. Don't be troubled. Don't be alarmed. God's going to protect His people. God's going to help you. God's going to bless you regardless of what happens in the earth if you serve Him. But I can tell you that troubling times are going to happen for some. And news events are going to shake others to the core. And as you and I sit on the prefaces of this, this is not a time to shrink away and go, oh no, what's going to happen? God's got it in control. That's one of the promises of prophecy. As God already said, you know what? I've got this all in control. And even though it looks or sounds crazy, I've got, you know, I planned this from the beginning. And I've got, if I'm going to do this, I can take care of you through it. But you've got to be a servant of God. You've got to be born again. You've got to know Jesus in a personal way. Jesus said you must be born again. Maybe you're here tonight. You're not right with God. You need Jesus Christ in your heart. I wonder if you want to pray a prayer. You want to know that you're saved. You're a Christian in times and life of these events that are happening in the earth. And as we're pushing forward, you want to make sure. I wonder if you'd slip up your hand and say, you know what, would you pray for me, Pastor? I want to make sure my heart is right. I want to get my heart right with God. I want to know that I'm born again, saved. I'm turning from my sin to serve God. Anyone at all. Maybe you're backslidden. It's not a time to be backslidden. Because it's the time when Jesus is going to come. The time to take the things of God seriously. You haven't been and you need to come back to Jesus. Slip up your hand very quickly. Pray for me. I need to get my heart right changing the call then to Christians. I know I go on about this stuff and when this kind of events happen, I, I it, it fascinates me because I can, I love researching and reading about it, knowing, putting pieces together. And this is why, like I said, I'm not so enthralled with the latest local gaffe of Biden or local or any of that. I'm geopolitical. Because it's events like this that have more impact on our lives than Hokel allowing alcohol because the Buffalo Bills were playing in England, so now the bars can be open at 9 o'clock. You and I stand on the preface of some of the greatest events that are going to happen here. Look up. Our redemption is drawing near. Let's all stand. These altars are open. We're going to sing that song, Worship His Name. Lord, I
Let's give him praise. Let's thank him tonight. Father.